Welcome to the What's the Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well. And as you know, I wish you success in finalizing and answering and completing your revolution. And as always, you know that you can reach out to me on any medium, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you need help, I am there for you to help you answer what I think is the most thought provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? It's been a little while, been on summer break, <laughs> having a good time, went out to Portland and saw some of my good friends out there. One of the things that I talk to my fellows at Camelback Ventures and I talk to my friends about is self-care. And you need that time in your life to just find solace, to find space where you can be yourself without the noise. And that's what Portland was for me. It was an opportunity to kayak and hike and do the things that bring me peace and energy. I put a post on Instagram that one of the days while I was out there and said, I don't give a damn about passion anymore. I'm in search of things that give me energy. And that's exactly what I did. I found things to give me energy. I ate well. I spent time with friends. I laughed, even found the joy of a pickleback. That's right. A pickleback pickle juice <laughs> for those of us who are novices in the pickle world, but it was a wonderful time. So I hope that before the end of the summer, you can find time to find your self-care, to find your place of peace. And so thinking about that, I think about the good people that I have in my life, the people who make me laugh, the people who bring me joy, the people who are empowering themselves and people all around the world. And I said, who do I want to have on my show? <laughs> and I thought about this person, the person who actually made me laugh the most when she came on the show the first time. I'm talking <laughs> about the Rita Bautista, the host and executive producer of Empowerment and all that. What's up, Rita? How you doing? Hey, Charles. Thanks so much for having me back on the show. I'm super excited to be here. I am super excited to have you. I don't know if you remember the first time we were together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I think we clowned for about 45 minutes. So yeah. it was a great show. I think it was, you know, good energy, a lot of really positive feedback. And yeah, it was great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the same thing. You are one of the best people that I know. You know, it's always been fun, joy, but you also make me think as a man. And that's that's what we need. We, you know, As men, we need good people to make us think, to question ourselves. I know that we have sat and talked at length about some of my failings, <laughs> some of my failures in life. You have put me in my place. I'm like, mm, I really don't like Rita right now, but... <laughs> Yeah, but at least I told you the truth. You yeah, know? Uh, hey. I think one of my favorite things about life is that you learn who your real friends are, and you go through all these journeys of meeting tons of people. And the people that stick around the most are those who, at times, you have to separate yourselves from because you think they're being negative. But the truth is, is that they're just telling you things that you don't want to hear or you don't want to reflect on at that moment. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I have a ton of good friends. I think you've actually been one of those, too, that at times have told me some things that I'm just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's about. Rita Bautista tells you the truth. And sometimes that truth is stinging. You're like, "Ooh, wait a minute. But you're like, I was like, damn, Rita was right. 
Rita was right. I don't tell you that often, but I'm like, yeah, you've been right a lot. So that's going to be the title of my next podcast. <laughs> Rita was right. So uh, it was said here on, uh, <laughs> on the What's Your Revolution show. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Rita, we asked you this the last time, but I'm sure a couple of years later, two and a half years later, you know, the answer may have changed. What's your revolution, Rita? So it's interesting. It actually did change. I was just at a conference for women in Dallas. And during that conference, they asked us to pick a word that would define us for for a long time. And what's interesting is that empowerment and all that came out of basically as a brainchild of a sudden movement. And I pressed record and it just happened. And truthfully, I think it couldn't have been a better word. I believe that my revolution or my continued process through life is going to be through empowerment. And I'm really excited about it. And, you know, it's always interesting because it seems as though with women, you have this like 50, 50%, 50% of the women don't feel as though women need to be empowered and they actually get offended by it. And the other 50% are the ones who are like, yes, keep bringing out content. Please let me know what's next. Like, how can I help you? Which those are the 50% that I've been gravitating towards a lot lately. I can't tell you, Charles, from the moment I press record, I literally have gotten such amazing feedback from people. And it kind of started from like this brainchild of, you know, I was in this moment of I'm looking at social media, I'm having that 1am, 2am, I can't fall asleep moment, I'm on Instagram looking at positive posts. And I was like, you know what, I'm about to post every single positive quote I've ever seen in my life. Because <laughs> I was just tired of seeing and not that pictures of people aren't beautiful. But I think that, you know, pictures are amazing. And these little captions below them and the stories are great. But sometimes you just need to be hit in the face with like something and it's just almost shock, like it pulls you back and it shocks you. And it's like, oh man, you know, I wasn't thinking about that. Or this is a pretty thought provoking thing. Or man, I should have done that. Or I should have stopped, you know, this thing earlier, whatever. Anyway, long story short, those instant, like those messages on Instagram were kind of what led me to start talking to two of my girlfriends who are surgeons. They just finished the fellowship in Houston. I mean, two of the most inspiring Indian women who came, you know, went to school and became urological surgeons, which they're like, if it's 1% of women, they're like 0.0001% because, you know, they're, they're Did you say neuro- neurological surgeons? No, urological surgeons. Urological surgeons. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Sanchita Bose. Yeah. And Dr. Divya Jay, they are going to go down in history as some really close friends. They became those like, you know, the truth tellers, the loyal friends. I told them, I was like, you know what? I've been feeling really inspired lately. I heard about this podcast concept. Like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't. They're like, um, we're doing this right now. Oh, wow. So for anybody who's heard the first episode, it is extremely raw. There's no editing done to it, except for like adding at the beginning and a little bit at the end. But the truth is, I'm never going to edit that episode. No, no, that's you. Yeah, that's that's us. It both of us, all three of us, honestly, in our most raw emotions. And when you're talking about like the first episode was called self-love. And when you're talking about self-love and people are in such different paths in their life at at different parts of their journey in self-love, and we were all being extremely candid and honest, and you could hear 
everyone's emotions in the podcast. And I love that part about it. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I will lose some listeners after this one <laughs> no, episode. No, no, But man, I tell you, like, it really just kind of like lit a fire under me. And it initially wasn't going to be just a woman's empowerment podcast. That's right. Because you invited me to come on and then you were like, nope. <laughs> I said I can. I said I'll have you on later on, but for now, no, it's I need all to, good. It's all I need good. To uplift my women. Man. I'm mad at you. I'm not mad at you one bit. Yeah. So I just I felt it was really important, especially because the podcast world, the percentages are so low right now on minority based podcasts in general across the board. So if there's 900,000 people, I found these stats, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Tell me. This is how excited I am about this. <laughs> I love it. But I love it. Of 900,000 people that are podcasting. 10% of them are women. And then when you start breaking down those, the women to be minorities, it's even lower. So you're probably at about a three, two, three percent, which is pretty, I mean, it kind of goes to like, if you think about ed the educated percentage of minorities across the world, I mean, it's, I hate to say this is kind of comparable, which sucks. And I'm so proud of people who are changing that narrative and who are, you know, crashing through these glass ceilings and just creating like a space for other people, even if it's something that may not become, I might not become a star out of this, but the good thing is, is that I am opening up the dialogue for women who look like me and women in general to be able to get on a microphone and talk about whatever comes to their mind that's going to make them feel strong and make right. them go about their day in a more positive mood. That's amazing. That is amazing. So you have to think about that first show being your first dollar, right? You know how businesses hang, <laughs> hang that first dollar up. That first show is raw. And I remember yeah. my first show two and a half years ago with Oliver Thomas and OT, like, I love yeah, it. OT. and you know, like you, that first show, it was so raw and I listen to it now and I'm like, wow, man, I had no clue what I was doing. I just, you know, Susan called and said, Hey, come do this show. And we figured out, you know, my good friend, Rachel Graham, we figured out what the opening was going to be. And then we just went with it. And, you know, we're 75 shows in now and you're catching up quick because Rita's on show number eight already. Yeah. And yeah, she is doing her thing. You know, I, I want you to define for us what is empowerment and what does empowerment look like for you? So I want you to break it down to its most granular level. Like what is empowerment and how you define it? And then how do you use that for yourself? So I think there are so many definitions of empowerment. I mean, we can take the institutional definition of empowerment and it's giving people tools to be able to pull themselves out of situations and see something or give themselves tools to pick themselves up out of a situation. For me, I feel like it's a mix of both. I want to be able to share tips and strategies on how to get out of things that women actually go through daily. You know, if it's healing through grieving and loss or listening to stories about women who wrote a book and are award-winning entrepreneurs to giving them some uplift on, you know, listen, this is self-love. These are two female doctors who are still confused and still trying to figure this out. We are all in this together. And that's what to me, empowerment is. It's like, it's not just giving somebody the tools. It's also delivering a message through community and through the stories that everybody else has. Because sometimes this world can very much feel like as if we're alone. Yes, yes. And preach. for women, it's just, you know, we have to bear the fruit sometimes of stronger 
of stronger issues for the family. It's always like we have that femininity, but at the same time, we're supposed to be stronger than a man in the sense of the emotional stress that we carry. And, you know, if I can tell all the women out there, like, sister, we are all here with you. Please stand on my shoulders. I am your elephant tribe. For those who understand that with Rachel Hollis, it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life. And it's basically the story of these elephants. And so when an elephant goes to give birth, all the women, all the females crowd around her and begin to make like this massive loud noise to keep the predators away. And once she's, yeah, it's signifying like she's in one of her most vulnerable moments. And once she's given birth, it's like this beautiful trumpeting like orchestra that they start with making a circle of music around this woman to signify that this child has now been born. And I was like, That was the moment where I was like, you know what? I'm done with not supporting women, regardless to whether or not they support me, because we are all in different paths in our lives and in different journeys that we are all going through. And sometimes the emotional burden is something that is a lot harder on us. But that doesn't mean that I can't stand around you when you're vulnerable. Right. Even if right. I got my back to you, it doesn't mean that I can't, just because I don't like you, I can't support you. And I think that that is like one of the most beautiful, like I'm telling you, it's just like such a beautiful story of instinct and tribal truth that I feel like women in general could learn from. I mean, we do that naturally when it comes down to childbirth. If a woman is, you know, we, we are very nurturing in that sense. But when are we nurturing when we see our sisters very vulnerable in other parts of their lives? Right. When they're in a bad relationship, when they are. That's the Nicole Murphy. I know, right? I know, right? You know, we don't know the whole story, but no, I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And it, and it is it is really interesting to me because I'm thinking about your podcast is for women. My podcast is for men. This concept of the elephant tribe also is universal, or at least it should be. Right. And men and particularly men of color have to find the same ways to support each other, to uplift each other, to, you know, allow us to experience those vulnerable moments and to be in space together to say, you know what, brother? I'm with you. And you're doing that for women, which is, you know, you're showing us as men what the example should be. And I applaud you for that because, you know, you see people who are alone, right? You mm-hmm. see people who need, you know, that space on Instagram. I have a, um, how do I want to say, I have one of those folders where you go in, you know, your saved, your, your saved pictures or your saved Instagrams. And I have one that's just about motivation. And when I'm down, when it's one or 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm like, you know what, I'm having, I'm having a pretty bad night. Let me, let me scroll through that, you know? And so, but you're saying now for those, you know, those sisters who, can't scroll or want to hear something more come to right you know come to empowerment and all that and make it happen yeah pretty much and you know i'm also open to people sending me suggestions on things that they want to hear i mean i'm already putting this platform there for everybody so i want to be able to help and give any information as far as you know ways to maneuver different obstacles in our lives and the good thing is is because i've been so open to talking to so many different people i'm already starting to basically put up a list of all these experts in different fields that can really just give us some really awesome motivation and inspiration and and just some positive words out there for anybody who needs them yeah no doubt and that's what this is all about like finding that space where 
people can go and say, you know, there's a woman who looks like me, who's Rita Bautista, who's talking, <laughs> who's talking about issues that are important to me. And that's what we need, Rita. I'm so happy for you and, you know, the work that you're doing. You made a revolutionary change in your life uh, about a year ago that you year and a half ago now. Right. You left New Orleans. And what was that like for you? Because, you know, as people think about changing and shifting their lives and empowerment, you decided to leave, you know, where you had a space. You know, people mm-hmm. are like, oh, that's Rita Bautista. She's connected. People know her. You are a mover and shaker. What made you make that decision that I'm going to pick up and move to a place that is different and you may not know? So I think the most important thing about moving from New Orleans, there were, there are a lot of changes that I underwent while I was living in New Orleans. I think, you know, to be completely honest, I wasn't super happy. I love New Orleans for its charm and its creativity, but I also have things that I personally don't agree with. And so, you know, I was tired of being the person of being tired of New Orleans. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I got one or two choices. I'm either going to live with this and create my own space here. And, you know, whether I was a mover or shaker or involved in everything, that was a majority of the time I was kind of trying really hard to find a way to really fall in love with the place. And it was just the more I pushed, the more weight I felt on myself. Right. And I was like, you know what? I'm always going to have New Orleans because my family lives there, because I love the food and because, you know, the city really is very inviting and very charming. But for me to continue on my personal journey, it just didn't seem right for me to stay in New Orleans any longer. And so I packed my bag, sold everything. And I was like, all right, y'all, I got a job offer. So I'm out. And it was a complete career change. So now I, you know, back when I had first interviewed with you last time, I was a director of government relations for, for a trade association in New Orleans. Right. And that was just so eye-opening. And I hate to say this, I think part of the reason why I wanted to leave was also because I was kind of tired of just what I was facing in government and seeing everything that was going on behind closed doors. But I'm not going to dive into that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But for me, I was like, you know, I really need, I need to change something overall. And I don't think that staying in the same industry and staying in the same city and continuing to live the same patterns in life are really going to get me out of this space. So I had to make a serious decision and say, okay, Rita, we need to do some serious healing. And sometimes we need to seclude ourselves in order to do so, so that we are a little bit more open to listening to ourselves and open to listening to what our minds need to tell you to heal through process. I don't know if that makes sense, but that is literally what happened to me for the last year and a half. For those who are wondering why I've been gone. (laughs) But, you know, I cannot say that I regret it one bit. I do miss my family. I love them to death, but I'm lucky that they come to visit pretty frequently. My relationships that were tarnished with my parents have now become like some of the best relationships that I have, which I think, you know, I had to do some serious soul searching and it's just all been great for me since then. So, yeah. You know, transformation happens when, you know, we have that opportunity sometimes to be in chaos, Rita. And when things happen, you know, that that say to us that maybe it's time to go. And and I applaud you for that because I have been thinking so long that New Orleans just isn't my place anymore. 
we've had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have had that conversation. We've had that conversation a number of times. And my boy, Eli Beatty, Dr. Elijah Hamilton Beatty, one of my best friends, always says that I have this analysis paralysis going on. And he says, you overthink everything. And mm -hmm. I think because of my fear of failure, I have not left New Orleans yet. But, you know, when you realize that it's time to go, you just got to pick up and you did. You just said, hey, there's something better. And you didn't know why Houston? Why was that your place? Well, after Hurricane Katrina, I lived in Houston for five years. So I had a, a pretty good base out here. But what's interesting is just because you had a base here 10 years ago doesn't mean that the same base is going to be sitting here waiting for you. <laughs> so, right. But that wasn't actually the reason. Houston wasn't the first choice. It was the third. Word? <laughs> yeah. As you say, word? I, um, <laughs> I think life has a really good way of knocking you on your ass. I'm sorry, am I not supposed to be illicit? No, I'm, I'm, I don't. I don't have the E on okay. my podcast. I do. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's fine. I do for a reason because I know myself really well, and I'm like, oh, might say something. Yes. But yeah, so you know, right after I left the trade association, I was also interviewing for other government relations positions in other companies, and I didn't get the one that I thought I was going to get. I remember that. I remember that conversation. And I am the kind of person, like, unless you really, really know me, I'm not going to show you that something got me. <laughs> is, is, is that the Latin? Is that the Latinx woman in you? Like, yeah. But here's the thing. Now I'm a different person. Now I'll be more honest and like, you know, show my emotions. I'm not afraid of being vocal about crying or being upset or whatever. Like for the most part, I've always been pretty open, but when it comes down to something that really kind of bugs me, you know, that kind of messed with me for a little bit, I was like, man, because, you know, that feeling of failure, Jesus, nah. it's the worst or being rejected <laughs> is really what it is, right? Like that, that fear of rejection or being rejected, that was tough because I had never been rejected for anything in my life. And that was the first time where I felt like I wasn't enough. And the truth was, now that I look back, I'm like, God... I'm so lucky to have the life that I have now. <laughs> right, right. Because had these things not have happened, I wouldn't have launched the podcast. I wouldn't be in Houston meeting some wonderful people. I wouldn't have healed through a lot of stuff that I needed healing through. I probably would have continued to mask through them. I wouldn't have given myself this time to be single and really be single and really just kind of get to know what it is that I want from here on out in my life and not settle for anything less than what I deserve and what I need. And so I'm like, wow, all these things literally happened because they were supposed to. So so I wasn't even supposed to be in Houston. I was frustrated. I was like, you know, I haven't been able to get a job. Like I'm seeing my savings account go down. I probably used a couple credit cards at this point. I was just like sweating bullets. <laughs> and I came to Houston for a week and I was like, you know, I need a recharge. I want to go visit my friend, go spend some time over there, just kind of visit Texas for a little bit. And while I was here, one of my girlfriends who's Dr. Sherman, Lima, she's a gynecologist out here. She told me, she was like, you know, I have a friend. What's funny, we were at brunch right before. And she's like, I will never put my name on the line for anybody for work ever. 
And I was like, whatever. You know, like, I, don't, I, I don't even know why she's saying it, but I, I didn't even know. So the next morning, first thing in the morning, I was packing my stuff. I was about to leave, go back to New Orleans because it was Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and everybody like, comes back from Mardi Gras. Right. Oh, I didn't last year. It was the first time I haven't gone to Mardi Gras in 15 years. And it felt amazing. It, it Yeah, I leave every year now. But finish your story because yeah. this is compelling to me. So so she's like, hey, um, you know, one of our mutual friends has a company out here. It's He owns Sleep Labs and basically patient services. So if you need EEGs, I'm not like actually marketing out here for this, but <laughs> yeah, studies are. essentially <laughs> and patient services. And she's like, he needs a rep. And she didn't tell me anything about the company. I didn't know anything. I didn't even, he was like Tommy for me from, from <laughs> you got five like, jobs. You got five jobs. Knew. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know what like, nobody knows what you do, Tommy. Nobody knows. And I was going to be the first one to find out. And so she asked me to send him my resume. And I did. And I was like, I sent him my government relations resume. I, I'm like, what are you? I don't even know what I'm applying for. And he was like, wow, I didn't realize what you did for a living. And I was like, yeah, I'm just really good at like marketing myself on paper. <laughs> but he was pretty blown away. And the good thing is he didn't sit in the interview. He let me interview with the other owner and the clinical director. And they were blown away. And interestingly enough, he offered me the job and he's like, if you want it, it's here. I was like, I need this. I need that. I need moving. I need it. And he's like, I don't have anything of that because we're still, <laughs> we're still like, a startup. But I have, yeah, they're, they were at the point five years now we're going on six and we've expanded exponentially. It's been great. But he's like, I can't do that. And I said, okay, well, give me a day. And I went and sat at the uh, Museum of Art in the garden over there. It used to be one of my favorite places to reflect. Yeah, I know. You would always ask me to come to yoga with you. And I unfortunately never went there. Yeah. It was always too damn hot. Yeah. You know what? It's just like Bikram. It's fine. Suck it up, Charlie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Dr. Carver. <laughs> so I went, I sat there and I was like, you know, I got nothing to lose. Other than money, you can get that back. Right. And I think that's what people are so afraid of. It's like, what do you really have to lose in life other than the opportunity? Other than the opportunity, you got nothing to lose. And yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to sell all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. literally came with boxes to Houston, which is interesting because when I left New Orleans the first time, that's all I left with. Was boxes. Was, well, not even boxes. It was a bag. A bag. And wow. The time back when I moved back to, to New Orleans, it was boxes. And I, I just thought it was so crazy that. I went through these different transitions and it still ends up that like possessions are great and I would love to acquire them within time when it's ready. But I'm like, it's just not necessary all the time. Oh, you know? man. There's so much, Rita, that I can unpack from what you just said. You know, that fear of failure, that fear of rejection and how it plays into our mind. And what if I make this move and it's wrong? And what if I do this and it doesn't work out? Then I've wasted my time. All of the tricks that the mind plays on you before you make a decision, right? Because we have all of those experiences. We have our past traumas. We have our past failures. We have the rejection that plays in our mind. What if I did this or remember? Remember when you did this and it failed and you got flat on your face, what you did, it seemed like was override all of that thinking, right? Mm -hmm. You said, you know what, what do I have to lose? Les Brown talks about, you know, if you had oh, six months, him. yeah, mm -hmm. if you had six months to live, Rita, how would you change your life, right? What would you do 
differently. And I think that is the catalyst for me right now. As I think about, I've been in New Orleans for 15 years. I've done everything that New Orleans can do, everything that New Orleans can offer me. And still here I am living in Metairie, right? In the same place that I bought 15 years ago, hating every minute of it. Cause I come home to a place where I don't really like walking my dog. Right. My dog is like, yo, I want to go outside and walk. Well, you go walk yourself. I let her, I just let her out the door. <laughs> she goes and then she comes back. Lucky you. I know. <laughs> I know, right? My dog would take off running down the hall. Like, but yep. that's what happens when you have a 13 year old pit bull. She's like, hey, I know this place. I'll be back. You do your thing. But the, the applause that I give for you is that you overrode everything that gets in the way for many people when they're making that decision, that analysis paralysis that goes on as you get older. And, you know, for me, I'm, older because you like to always talk about how yeah you get how wise i am what you say what you there, buddy. yeah i know <laughs> this mic is hiding the gray but that's but i gotta that's commend you though you do take care of yourself charlie so you'll make it to 56. I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> 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 ah, see, that's why I love to have Rita on the show because you got jokes. Uh, you got jokes. I'm not going to talk about those eyelashes you got going on. Bat those for me. <laughs> Don't be a hater. I moved to Houston and I found the most amazing thing called eyelash extensions. Extensions. Everyone should have them. Oh you, my God. Yeah. Her extensions, for those of you all who will never be able to see the show, are like a football field <laughs> long, right? <laughs> She's in Houston and I'm in New Orleans and she is tickling me right now with her eyelashes. That's how long they are. But Rita, I think that people have to hear on the show is that you cannot overthink decisions. You have to think about the opportunities that are out there. And if you fail, right, that is a part of the growth that mm -hmm. you move to Houston and it doesn't work out. Guess what? You can move back to New Orleans and we will welcome you with open arms. The other thing that I heard, Rita, that is so important is that you said that you've been single, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we always perpetually looking for love, aren't we? That's, you know, that's the thing that we do. We want to look for love. We want to mate. We want to have a family. We want to get married. Some of us. <laughs> and you know, that, that's what we do. That's another story. That's a long yeah, that's story between me. That's another, that's another pot. Exactly. But in the midst of all this, when everybody's seeking to be coupled, right? Or to find some form of long-term affection, you said, I'm just going to be single. What has that been like? Right. Because brothers out there are like, what you mean? You, you're telling me, right. This woman is telling me just to go be single. And I want to know what the parameters of that meant being yeah. single. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of it, like I said, a lot of this came from self-reflection. I think a lot of times, and I hope my ladies don't hate me for this, what I'm about to say, it's not all of us, but it's something that I personally realized is that I had to look inward to figure out what was going wrong outward in the relationships that I was in. And right before I made the decision to take some time to myself, I was in a situationship on and off with someone who I thought it was more a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if he's listening, hold I, on, hold I on, hold on. Right. Unpack <laughs> that because people need to know a situationship. What is that? It's when you think you're in a relationship, but the other person is probably not. Mm, all right. So, yeah, that so, is a situation. You know, it was we were long distance. It's it was a very volatile situation. It was on and off. It was causing a lot of stress. And a lot of stress that probably wasn't needed. And I think one of the biggest reasons why was because I personally didn't notice that the person wasn't emotionally healed from their relationships from the past. And I was at the time, but what, I don't know if you guys understand, like, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. 
Mm, I've heard that a number of times. And so when the other person is having anything to pour, you start pouring yourself into the cup, trying to <laughs> fill their cup. And right, you're like, right. and then you're left drowning and this person's cup's full. And you're like, what is wrong with me? Why am I emotionally distraught right now? This is not who I am. I was turning into a crazy person that I promised myself I was never going to be. And, you know, to the point where I even had to apologize after the crazy behavior that happened, not just through me, the person as well. We've mutually agreed on that. But I had to really look in myself and be like, girlfriend, you need some time to reflect, to figure out what it is that you really want from somebody. Because yeah, it's beautiful to sit here and say, I want to be married and I want to have children and I want to have the perfect relationship. But if I'm not ready, I'm not going to have what I want. Yeah, no, that's right. And and the truth is, is like attracts like. And if I'm not fully healed, I'm going to reattract another person who's not fully healed. And that's just not the life that I want anymore. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. And, you know, for the last two months, and I, I hate to say this, but it, it is a part of who I am right now, is that I had to take the same, you know, you need to be single, like straight up, just single. Now, my definition of single may be a little bit different than yours, but I mean, I just had to, yeah, (laughs) you know, but just to take time away from being in relationship, right? Because I'm the king of situationship and have been, right? The king of it, Uh, especially if it's, you know, if it's temporary, like, let me do this for a little while because it feels comfortable or feels good. It's not really what I want right now, but, you know, I'm going to do this until I shouldn't do this. And at the end of the day, I'm not taking responsibility for my own healing. I'm not taking responsibility for the pain that I'm causing someone else. I'm just like, you know, I'm just doing me. And what it sounds like is that you began to take 100% responsibility for Rita mm-hmm. and that's and and Rita's actions and how Rita was potentially causing pain or how Rita was potentially accepting pain, right? Accepting those things from other people. And that concept of 100% responsibility is so foreign to many people. And it actually was foreign to me, but it's something that I've learned at my new job at Camelback Ventures because it grounds everything we do. Right. What was your 100 percent responsibility in the outcomes that happen? And too often we are, I think. Right. And that's the psychology is that we're easily blaming someone else. Oh, yeah. For what happened. Right. It's your fault. You treated me this way. I feel this way because of you. Well, at the end of the day, you still have a responsibility. No, I feel this way because I allowed myself to feel this way. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm in this relationship because I allowed myself to stay in this relationship or I cheated in this relationship because you know what? It's my responsibility. I don't care what you were doing. I can say you were the cause of this. No, I had a responsibility to this. And so that's interesting. So sitting in this singleness, this singlehood of Rita Bautista, what is that like? What does that feel like? Right. Because, you know, those people who may not ever see Freddie Bautista, make sure you go and check out Empowerment, all that. And we'll talk about where they can find you. Rita is one of the most beautiful people inside and out that you will ever meet. Right. I've been trying to holler for a long time. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. So what is that like? Because I'm sure you get a lot of attention, a lot of men coming at you, but you're making that conscious decision to say I'm single. So tell me. So I don't want to say that I haven't gone on any dates because I feel like that would be a lie, right? But I think what being single at this point means to me is, you've said this a couple of times, it's like sitting in my vulnerability and sitting in my truth Mm -hmm. and being honest about what I want out of 
a relationship or a person. And I'm not going to force myself to fit a square peg in a round hole. It's just not happening anymore. And to me, I'd rather us just not dive into something that we know from the beginning is just not going to work out. So what single looks like to me, honestly, is like, I've been working on the podcast, you know, like I've been started practicing yoga. My meditation practice has gotten more in depth. Um, I have my dog who is like a full blown person at nine pounds. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I mentioned is like, you know, I had a very tumultuous relationship with my mother growing up. And now we finally have met eye to eye. And, you know, we finally respect each other in, in such a profound, beautiful way that I think, you know, I just, I needed to block and unpack all of this stuff from the past. And that's been just like the most amazing thing ever that I never thought I'd be sitting here at 34 years old being like, I great talking to my mom, you know, like, <laughs> um, but you know, it really is such an important thing, you know? And another thing that was really important to me is, you know, as I mentioned, I do want to get married one day and I would love to have family. And, you know, I didn't talk to my father for many years and him and I now have a great relationship. And because of the relationship that him and I have, he's now fostered a relationship with his two other sons that he had been estranged from in a while. So, you know, all of these things have come as a result of me letting go of all of the emotional baggage and all the drama and all the stuff from the past and really just sitting in my, my truth and being right. who I am and not being afraid of being who I am. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds amazing. It's, it, it sounds amazing, but I'm going to push Rita for one second. <laughs> I'm going to push because it, it, yeah, it does, push right? I, I'm going to push because I dare you. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to push. I'm going to push okay. because as you go through this, as you go through this time of reflection, right. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing it right, you're going to go through the muck. You're going to, yeah. you're going to, you're going to crawl through and find yourself deep in your, your mess. So, you know, there's another oh, word that I want to say, right. And that doesn't feel good. All right. yeah. That doesn't, cause in this two months that I, I've done this, right. There have been a many a nights that I've awakened and been like, Oh, sh this is me. This is all me. Right. And that's the mess you, when, when you wake up and have that realization that you are the, the one tangible thing, the, the one constant. Did you go through that? Did you realize that? Did you, and, and when you, when you realize that, what was that like for you? Right. What was that like? And how did you get past that point? So I must've cried for like three months straight, <laughs> but you know, we're adults here. We can be honest about it. It's, it's not a comfortable feeling to know that there are things that were continuing to come up in my life that were patterns that I needed to break. And if I really was truly searching for this better relationship, better life with someone that matched what I wanted versus the energy that I was giving out, I needed to really sit through this and grieve through letting that all die. I practice yoga. I was practicing literally every day. Wow. And so for anybody who practices yoga, Shavasana is the last pose at the end where you're laying on your back. And I thought it was interesting. I was at outdoor yoga and this woman came by and gave the most beautiful, sad, 
story about what Shavasana means. And basically it's allowing everything to die on the mat. Oh, wow. I didn't know that because I'm, I'm always looking forward to Shavasana. Yeah, of course. <laughs> after you've been 45 minutes in flow. Hour and 15 minutes in flow. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, Shavasana, Shavasana, yeah. come on, hurry up. I'm like, child pose, child pose. I know, right? But it is, and it was, and I remember just like letting it all out and like crying through some of these, like, some of the powerful flows, which are pretty intense, but being on the mat and her saying that, and I literally just, I looked up and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it all go. Cause the weight of all this stuff is way too heavy. Wow. So, so Shavasana, right. Shavasana, yeah. Shavasana. And, and yeah. letting, and letting that go and letting three months of, you know, that crying, because you do have to get to a point Rita, where you can't beat yourself up. No, no. I mean, you know, I think the other thing is, is I've gone through a lot of personal development in my life in general. I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I believe that every single person should be born with a therapist, (laughs) but that's just me. (laughs) It comes with your American citizenship, a therapist. (laughs) Right. exactly. Exactly. Right. One that is culturally responsive and culturally aware. Because uh, you, you know, know how hard it is to find one. I mean, it took me years, and I stuck with her for like four hours. That was the one, the saddest relationship that I left in New Orleans with my therapist. Oh, I'm disappointed. But, I am disappointed. I will tell Thad Fly this when I see him on Saturday. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Oh, he'll be fine. He'll survive. <laughs> Everybody's his best friend. It's fine. I miss you, Thaddeus. Man, David Thaddeus Baker. The he is the what chief editor for the Louisiana Weekly. Louisiana Weekly, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's like twenty. Um, he's like twenty five with gray hair. Oh no, he is not twenty five. <laughs> he's like fifty years old. I know, in right? But hey, black don't crack. That I'm no, like, dude. No, uh. Uh-uh. But we have to, you know, we have to forgive ourselves. And and I love the way you said that Shavasana is that you let that die on the mat. And when you begin to stop beating yourself up, when you let those things die, and that's when you have the ability to grow and to sit in your singleness. I don't know if I've let everything die yet. You know, I'm still working through those, you know, through those past traumas and still seeing behaviors as I sit in my truth and, oh, I need to tell the truth in this and not really not realizing how my truth is going to land sometimes, right? When people ask you for your truth. And so thinking through what responsibility do I have in telling the truth, but also my responsibility in understanding how is this truth going to land? Right. And so I think that we have to understand that as well, that we want honesty and we want people to tell us the truth and we can't be afraid to hear the truth. Rita, that's one of the things that, you know, people think, well, I'm going to lie to you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Well, you can't be afraid to tell the truth, but you also can't be afraid to hear the truth as well. And yeah, we have a responsibility. Rita, our our time is running out. You know, it's funny that. Oh, man. I I know. It's such a great show. It it is. It is. (laughs) Rita, you know, your show is for women. My show is for men. I want you to give us a little bit of a tidbit for the men who are listening to the show. What would you say to them as they're trying to find the healthiest versions of themselves, particularly when it deals with them, you know, comporting themselves with women? What would you say to men that they need to know to be healthier in their relationships with women? Yeah. So I think if I could talk to every single man in the world, I would sit them down and talk to them in a very gentle way and tell them, if you had a daughter and she came to you and told you the way that you're treating your partner is the way that she's getting treated, how would you feel? Mm. Mm. Tell the story, Rita. You know, and... 
think about her being a teenager and think about how everything that you're going to do in your life is going to affect her one way or another. It'll either be a positive influence or a traumatic experience that she experiences in the future because she believes that that's the correct behavior that she should be able to accept. So I truly believe that, you know, if a man wants to be great in a relationship, he will be. But a man should also reflect on the fact that there is another person on the other side as women as well. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, you guys are terrible, but I think it is a little bit more accepted socially if men are out there doing their own thing. It is. It definitely is. And, you know, for a woman, it you know, it becomes more of a stigma. If she's doing something. It's like a scarlet letter. So, yeah, I just I want them to take a look inside of themselves and reflect and say, this is the behavior that I am showing this woman, would I treat my own family, my blood, my daughter that way? Would I want somebody to treat her that way? Am I showing my daughter the example through what I'm living right now? Right. And that is interesting. You know, thinking through that, is this an example of what I would want my daughter to be treated like and how I'm treating the people that are in my life right now? Right. Or the person that's in my life right now. And so that's interesting. And you want to keep that in the forefront, (laughs) the forefront of your mind. And hopefully the brothers who are listening to this, can you answer that question? Right. Are you treating the people in your life, male or female, whoever you choose to date? Are you treating them the best? Right. If it's a son. Right. And that Mm. son is gay and he is wondering, how do I be in relationships? You know, so thinking through that, I think that's wonderful advice, Rita, and something that I will uh, hold dearly. You know, you've been an amazing friend and you always you always tell it like it is. And so <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Always make me laugh, you know, and, you know, do you want to shout out your eyelash person to give them a shout out? Because, Uh-oh. I mean, wow, <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying? You know, you're I've the been... second person to say that. I, yeah. I did another podcast episode recently and the woman was like, please tell us where you get your eyelashes done because we need to know. I'm like, yeah, I've been feeling a breeze here in New Orleans the entire <laughs> podcast because of that. Like, hey, Charles, how are you? <laughs> hey, Charlie. Yeah. Sorry, so tell I like call him Charlie. But... Yeah. And that's the funny thing because I don't allow anybody, <laughs> anybody else in the world to call me Charlie. Rita Bautista is the only person who calls me Charlie. Maybe that's, I've been hoping that, you know, by allowing you to call me Charlie, you'll be like, mm, I might rethink this whole marriage thing but that's another Uh, podcast that's That's another another podcast that's another another podcast exactly but Rita tell everybody how they can find your podcast and how they can find you yes so for everyone listening obviously the podcast is for a woman but honestly the tips and the stories that are shared in the podcast are extremely motivational uplifting and you can get some great tips and also share it with all the women that you know it's called empowerment and all that you can find me on apple podcast Google Pod, Spotify. Please make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast and let everybody know about it. If you want to follow me on Instagram and see my daily inspirational quotes, you can find me at at Rita, R-I-T-A underscore Bautista, B-A-U-T-I-S-T-A 1111. What's the 1111? Oh, that goes that That's creepy. But a lot of people who know what 1111 is, I was seeing 1111 when I first moved here repeatedly. And to sum it up, it all came into fruition the day that it was my grandmother's anniversary and I had to pay respect to her. As you know, I'm not religious or anything like that, but I went to church for her. And when I left the cathedral, the address of the cathedral was 1111. So it's wow. just a reminder that, you know, my guardian angel's with me all the time and she's, she's always by my side. So 
I'm not mad at you. Ironically, Rita, my mother's birthday is 11, 11. Are you serious? Yes, yes. That's so crazy. I know, right? I know, right? A number is everywhere. And, you know, for those people who understand, it's it's just a, it's a very positive number. It, it continues to remind me daily that, you know, I'm on the right track. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Is there anywhere else they can find you? Instagram, yeah. Twitter, Facebook? Yeah, yeah. So if you want more information on the podcast, you can go to empowermentandallthat.com or you can find us on Facebook at Empowerment and All That. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, no that's doubt. It. Now I have actual purpose for why you want to follow me. The last there time I was like, why do people want to follow me? I yeah, have no everybody, idea. <laughs> everybody needs to follow Rita Bautista. Rita, thank you for coming on the show. It means so much to me. And everyone who's listening, you know, you can listen to the What's Your Revolution podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud backslash What's Your Revolution. You can find some funny, maybe not inspirational quotes on What's Your Revolution, mm -hmm. but I'm always doing something, asking that question. Twitter, as we talk about about, you know, things that are going on and finding what people are doing and telling me their stories about what's your revolution. Thank you for your time. And always, always, everyone, make sure you can answer the most thought provoking question of your life, everyone. Take care. What's your revolution? Peace. Bye.